Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in on episode three of the Wedding Salt podcast. I'm Cassie Yost, and for those of you who don't know me, I am a wedding photographer um, full-time, and I'm also a photography teacher at a local high school here in Oregon. And I just put this podcast together as a way of sharing the kind of conversations that I have with a lot of people in the industry and just because I love helping people grow their business specifically in wedding photography I wanted to put this together to help more than just the small group of friends that I have so buckle up Um, we are going to be talking about something that I get a lot of DMs about which is how to build a wedding day timeline with couples now I'm going to preface this with the fact that if you're a brand new photographer, you may want to shoot a couple of weddings for someone else, like being a second photographer, a second shooter, because setting up a wedding day timeline, it's really important, right? And you are there to educate your clients and help them make the best decisions. So if you're brand new to this, I would strongly suggest second shooting for other people and seeing how the day works and what kind of hiccups typically happen. Um, That way you can be there as kind of like an advisor or a consultant for your couples. And that's mainly what you're doing when you're building the timeline, right? So if you're not comfortable with this, I would say that it's probably the most invaluable thing to get that experience under your belt before you're giving recommendations to clients. Now, if you feel comfortable and you've shot a few and you're like, okay, now I'm ready to take that leap, or even if you want to know what my process is because you're curious, because I'm always curious about other people's processes, then this podcast um, should help you. Now, I am not perfect. I know that I'm always working on things and I don't know everything. There might be other ways of doing this that I haven't thought of before. So if you have any ideas or input, go ahead, let me know. I would love to include them, try them out on myself and see if they help my couple. So going into this, um, I have a few bullet points that I'm going to go through with you guys. Um, about planning a timeline with a couple. You really have to go into this with the thought that these two people have never been married before, or typically most of my couples haven't been married before. I had one couple, no, two couples that um, have, and so this wasn't as new of a process to them. But you're the expert here, and they're looking to you for advice, especially if they don't have a wedding planner, per se, if they're more of like a DIY couple you really need to be able to give them advice, especially when it comes to time of day for getting specific photos. Like I recommend to my couples to not have their ceremony outdoors at noon because that is the worst light you could possibly get for taking photos. Now, if they can't avoid it, then they can't avoid it and you just do the best that you can. Um, But you're there to guide them and tell them that stuff because most of the time they don't know about golden hour. They don't know about backlighting or, you know, how to get that dreamy quality in your photographs. So it's really important to give them that advice. And I always tell my clients, I'm like, yeah, you, you know, you stopped at my Instagram, you stopped on my website. 
those photos that you see, the majority of them were taken at sunset or sunrise, and that's how they get that really creamy, dreamy quality to them. And if you want that, then I recommend that we take photos at sunset, pull you away from your guests just for, you know, like 45 minutes or however long you're willing to, to give me to get those photos. And I educate them about how the light is really important and that's what makes up the bulk of the dreaminess of your photos. So you can see how important it is to educate them about that because otherwise they might be disappointed that their photos didn't turn out the same way as other people's. So make sure that you take that lead role and give those gentle recommendations so that they can get the best photos possible. So with that being said, um, what I typically start out with when I chat with my clients about the wedding day timeline is first and foremost, when you look back on these photos 30 years from now, what do you envision seeing? Like, what do you want to feel when you look back on them? And what kind of photos do you really want to see? And usually that question is met with answers like, oh, we really want candid photos. We really want photos representing who we are as a couple and like the genuine non-posed kind of photos. And I'm all about that. I love those kind of photos. Um, but it's important to ask that because I've had a couple of couples who really want a lot of the posed photos and then they're okay with the rest of the photos being candid. So asking those questions is really important because it'll guide how you shoot and how you plan the rest of your day. So with that being said, what I usually recommend is asking them a couple of, of questions. Are they going to have a first look? And if they are, then are they planning on having family photos directly after the first look, typically before the ceremony? And I ask this because family members and people in the wedding party tend to wander off and talk to people and it's really hard to get them back. And you don't want to waste time on the wedding day, right? You want to make this as efficient as possible. So my two recommendations for the timeline before we even get started looking at their events for the day are, are you having a first look? If you are, we need to have photos with your family and bridal party before the ceremony. Or if you're not having a first look, we need to take those photos with your family members directly after the ceremony. And the reason why is because they're typically already there. They're already sitting up front and they're fresh. They're not tired. They're typically not drinking or drunk by then. Although I did have one groomsman at one wedding who was very, very drunk by, um, by the ceremony time. And that was kind of hilarious. Um, but the bride, the couple, they were not enthused. And so you want to make sure that everyone knows that they are going to have their photos taken either before or after the ceremony. So they know not to wander away. That saves time. If we have to go and find people to get photos, then that's going to waste a ton of time. So I give that recommendation to all my couples. The next thing that I recommend is setting aside about 45 minutes minimum for photos at sunset. 
And the reason why I give that recommendation is because typically couples come to me for those dreamy kind of photos and that is the best time to take them. So those are the two things that I think, you know, you can build your wedding day timeline around. Of course, there are instances where you might have a wedding, uh, like a French wedding, where they have it early in the morning and they get done by like noon or one o'clock. And that kind of shifts things a little bit. So you might have to get creative and that's why you're a photographer because you can think creatively about how to get the best photos. Now, there are typically two situations that I have. The first one is where I shoot all day. I'm there with a couple all day long, which is great. I usually recommend that so we can document everything. Or there's the half day like elopement where you're only there for like six hours or so. Those two instances, you're just going to have to work with those two timeline guides that I gave you, the getting photos of them in their first look and their family members, you know, before or after the ceremony, and then when would be the best time of day to take photos. Now, depending on when they want to get started or when they want to have their ceremony, you have to figure out what time that would be. You may want to give them a gentle nudge and say, hey, you know, having your ceremony at noon may not be a good idea because of the lighting and blah, blah, blah. However, if that's the only time that you can do it because of restrictions on how late they can stay or, you know, different venues have restrictions on um, the, the amount of time that you can be there then uh, maybe we will have to shoot at noon. But if you have flexibility, maybe we should shoot later on in the afternoon for your, your ceremony, maybe two o'clock, maybe four if you can. That way you can get the best lighting and all of your photos look good. So that, that would be kind of like the, the negotiating that you would want to try to do with the couples to help them um, get their photos to look their best. Of course, you know, there's always constraints and you can't always have it that way. So the next thing that I was going to talk about are events and logistics. So events are things like cake cutting, first dance, um, maybe that shoe game, or maybe they have some kind of um, ceremony that they want to do as part of their culture or part of the wedding. You need to make sure that you list all of those items and when they're going to happen. Usually the couple does this. I'll send them a questionnaire that has the timeline on it and they'll fill it in as they go because they won't really have all those things finalized until closer to the wedding date. So you're going to have to wait for all of that information until later. So that's why it's good to give them a heads up of when to take the best photos so they can plan around that. The other thing is buffer time. If your clients have a ceremony at one place and a reception at another, you need to make sure that you count for the buffer time, the travel time between those locations. Um, and I'm sure they, they typically will as well. Um, that way you're not trying to scramble. You know where you need to be when. You know when you need to stop photos at one place, leave, and go to the next place. And this also counts for buffer time between 
the first dance and the next dance and you know when someone starts their cake cutting um, and you have the sunset photos right after maybe recommend to them hey right after cake cutting that's when we're gonna leave and go take sunset photos so making sure you account for those transition periods are are really important um, they're not gonna make or break the day but you need to be aware of the fact that things don't just happen like boom 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 there are transition times especially when your couple stops to say thank you to someone or you know they stop and get a drink and they start having a conversation with people around them you really do have to keep that in mind and keep an eye um, on the time and your couple with that being said you <clears throat> should also coordinate with the vendors that are there so for example say cake cutting is happening in 10 minutes but you know that your couple is having such a great time talking to their friends and they're really engaged in conversation maybe head over to the DJ and say hey let's give our couple about 10 more minutes and then let's announce cake cutting um, that way they can enjoy their wedding and you are making sure things are kind of flowing according to the schedule that also <clears throat> excuse me that also brings me to um, any family circumstances that you should know about for example, I shot a wedding where the bride's mom and dad did not get along at all, which is normal. I mean, that happens. Family dynamics are something that you have to take into account as a photographer because you don't want to create awkward situations. So I always have that question on my questionnaire. Question on my questionnaire. How many times can I say question? Um, I have that on my questionnaire so that my couples can list because they, they aren't going to think of that. They're not going to think of, oh, I should tell Cassie that my parents don't like each other and they don't want to have photos taken together. Like they, they're not going to think about those little things. They have bigger things to think about. So I usually ask that and I say, hey, are there any family dynamics that I should know about that might make photos awkward or um, might make my planning a little bit better? And my bride said, yeah, my parents don't get along. So if I could get photos of my mom before and then photos of my dad after, that would be great. So I just included that in my plan. And doing that made my couples feel like they were taken care of. And it just adds a little bit more to show that you are a professional and you're taking into account all of these dynamics and you're going to manage it so they don't have to worry about it. I know that at my wedding, um, well, when I was younger, my, my mom and dad aren't together, but I worried about that. I'm like, when, when I get married, oh my God, am I going to have to not have my mom and dad sitting together? Are they going to like, what's going to happen? And I was already stressing out about that, even though on my wedding day, I shouldn't care about any of that stuff. And thankfully my d mom and dad get along. It was just one of those things that I thought about when I was younger, but, um, those things definitely weigh on your couple's minds and if you can alleviate some of that that will mean so much to them so that's very important to think about in my mind um so the the actual timeline like a standard timeline that i do with most weddings um, typically i do the full day with my couples in 
it can vary, you know, depending on what they need, but usually it starts with the getting ready photos all the way to the end of the night when they're, you know, exiting like a sparkler exit or, or whatever it is. So what normally happens is I will get there about an hour, get to wherever they're, they're getting ready at about 45 minutes to an hour beforehand, just so I can start to style things. I really like to style their dress, the shoes, the bouquet, the rings, the stationery, and just have that like quiet time to get myself ready and mentally in that space. And styling things is kind of how I do that. Um, it also allows, you know, anyone else who's in the room to get comfortable with me, this stranger, um, being there with them. And so I like to do that. I like to get everything out of the way so I don't have to worry about styling. And by then, by the time that I'm done with that, the bride is usually um, done with most of her makeup and her hair, and I can get those last getting ready photos. Because your, your bride is probably not going to want to have her, <laughs> her photos taken while she has rollers in her hair. Although I have taken a photo like that, and it's really cute. Um, and without makeup on, because she wants to feel beautiful and put together and elegant. So I usually wait till the very end when, you know, they're blushing, they're blushing, they're brushing on the blush. I can talk real good, you guys. Um, and they're getting the mascara put on or the eyelashes put on. That's when I wait to get those photos. And then um, usually by then they're, you know, drinking mimosas and I can run over to where the guys are, snap some photos of them and come back. And by then they're usually getting into the dress and the bridesmaids are getting ready too. And I'll capture those photos of them. I like to capture one-on-ones. So like the bride with her bridesmaid um, individually. So they all have those um, individual photos that they can print out. And I think it's just a really nice touch to do that. And then usually by then everything's done and they are going to have their, their first look. Uh, a lot of the weddings I've done recently have had first looks. And you don't have to. They don't have to have a first look. But um, I usually find a place for the groom to stand outside or in a really pretty location, having him face away. Then I'll go get the bride and I tell the groom, don't turn around until I tell you to. And I usually have her tap on his shoulder, come up behind him and hug him. And then I'll tell him to turn around and, and snap a few. And then I like to let them have, you know, a couple moments to themselves. And that usually gives the family enough time to come over and, you know, they're, they're waiting. And we'll get those family photos done and out of the way. Once that's done, we usually transition over to just waiting for the ceremony to start. And I get ready, I get in place, and then um, the ceremony starts. I take those photos. I usually try to get all the angles, and I shoot with my 35 millimeter and my 85 millimeter. Um, the 85 millimeter allows me to get a little bit farther away, so I'm not always up in their face because <laughs> I don't want to um, during the ceremony. So I capture those. Um, then after the ceremony, you know, they usually go and they hang out with people, get drinks, and I start to get candids and all that stuff. And um, 
we go through the events and at sunset by that time I've already scoped out a really good spot for us to take our sunset photos we take those they go back they do their first dance they do cake cutting um, toasts all of that and then at the end of the night um, they'll have sparklers or whatever kind of exit they're they're going to do um, and then that's it and so after the wedding I will go home and I will have my SD cards plugged in and I offload or download them onto my external hard drive and then I'll download a, them again onto another external hard drive so I have a, a couple of backups and then I build my Lightroom catalog so my Lightroom catalog I like to import everything um, I build smart previews which I'll talk about smart previews later but it allows you essentially to work on the images without having to have your s or your i'm sorry not your sd card your external hard drive plugged in and you can just work off of it on your your computer essentially off of the hard drive which is really nice and then once you go to export it it exports everything correctly um, but it's way faster so i'll talk about that a little bit later um but I build those previews and I also have Backblaze going on in the background on my computer. And Backblaze is just a cloud um, backup service that back up, backs up everything on your external hard drive so that if something happens to it, you do have backups and you don't lose all of that work. Um, so it's always running in the background. You do have to set it up so it, it backs up that external hard drive and not like just your computer. So um, it they have really great tutorials on how to do that. And it's totally worth the five bucks a month for that peace of mind. Because I know a lot of people who have had their hard drives crash. Someone I know had both of them crash at once. God, I can't remember who that is. Um, but I was mortified. And I'm like, that's it. I'm going to have another backup to my two backups. And what's funny, you guys, is that I have those two external hard drives in the cloud backup, but then I have a solid state drive, which is way more safe than the, the external hard drives, the hard disk drives. I have a solid state drive that I back all those up to. So I have four areas that I back up to. And that solid state drive stays on my desk at home. It doesn't ever move because, you know, our external hard drives, we drop and we damage the cords and we mess up. So I, and you don't want to move a solid state drive anyway. Um, so I have that as well. That's just my worst fear to have, to actually lose someone's um, images. Um, and I also don't erase my SD cards and CF cards until after I deliver the galleries to my clients because that's just like an extra like, ugh, okay, I, I delivered them and they're not gone and I didn't erase them and everything's good to go. Um, and then I'll, I'll wipe my SD cards. So that's kind of the process from, you know, talking with your client all the way to delivery of the, the images themselves. Um, and I hope that helped. I was, I hope it wasn't like too much, too fast. Um, but that's how I do it. I'm sure there are other ways and it's, there are other ways that are much more efficient. Or if you have any, um, ideas or things that you do that you really love, 
send them my way. Tell me what you do. And I'd love to try it out and see if it helps my clients a little bit more. Um, but that's, that's all I have for you today, you guys. If you still have questions, let me know. I also have my um, Building a Timeline ebook linked down in the show notes for you if you want to take a look. And I'm also providing you guys a copy with my questionnaire that, that is also in the show notes. So if you want to take a look at those, see if it helps you at all, um, let me know. I really appreciate any feedbacks and reviews. That would be great because reviews actually help boost the podcast um, to be seen by more people. So it really, really helps. Anyway, thank you guys so much. I'm super excited about this episode and I hope it helped you. I'll chat with you soon. Bye.